This is Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast with Roscoe, the Fanalist, and Southey. This team frustrates the hell out of me. Good evening. (laughs) Good evening. Welcome to Leafs Late Night. It's uh, just after 7 o'clock here, which is not super late, but, you know, it's nice to get the podcast out of the way early. Um, Before we touch on this game that did not end the way that anybody hoped it would except the Buffalo fans. Uh, let's talk about just the uh, heritage classic in general. What did you think of the jerseys on the ice? Cause I know that was a hot topic of debate. Not going to lie. I was one of the haters when they first came out and I just right off the bat, I was like, mm, they could have done better than this, but tonight on the ice, they looked so nice. They were sleek. I'm so glad that a uh, bottom white white stripe was there on the jersey and i loved them how about you yeah i'm in the same boat i hated them on the mannequin that reveal was so like oh god this is so boring i mean there's still nothing special like they look really clean they look nice i'll give them that they looked much better on the ice but it's still like after seeing um do you see the vancouver canucks pride jersey yeah gorgeous absolutely gorgeous that's what i'm talking about when you can reach out to talented artists that was somebody from sweden actually who i i randomly stumbled upon today and realized that it was somebody that i was following on twitter um oh my gosh i can't remember the name but um anyway i'll leave a link to it because it's she's really talented artist anyway um i just i think that there's potential for jerseys to all kind of hit that mark of like oh damn that's gorgeous and i want that immediately and whether it was on a player or just the shot of like the crest itself i want that jersey so i don't know It, it won points but it's still not i think up to what it could be yeah, I agree with that, especially with the arenas. Uh, obviously, you can't see that on the ice. You just see the white tee. It would have been nice to see it rather than just only close up with a magnifying glass. But uh, Yeah, unless you knew it was there, you wouldn't see it. Yeah, but can we for a minute talk about the Buffalo's jerseys? Because this is what I did not like. They either looked like nicotine stained wall color or a very healthy pea color (laughs) like it was this nasty yellowish color that they substitute for the white it was old pillow yeah oh my god it was (laughs) literally like healthy pp or very nasty smoke walls (laughs) like there's no in between (laughs) yeah they were a little strange i didn't expect them to be off white i thought they were white but anyway the yellow was strange against it, and um, I didn't really love Anderson's helmet with it either. I don't know. They, The ones that I expected to look better looked worse. So I'll, I'll give the Leafs the edge there. Yeah. Just thinking about the previous uh, game, the Leafs played outdoors, and they were in the all-white, and it was so hard to watch them. Maybe someone took notes there and was like, okay, we're not doing that this time, but I don't Isn't know. it Beaner who loves those jerseys, though? Yeah. It's just the reflections and too light, like white on white on white. Yeah. But. Well, shout out to everybody in Leafs Nation that was able to attend the game. I was not going to make the hours and hours drive from Ottawa to go, but uh, hope y'all had fun freezing and watching them lose to Buffalo. But, uh, no, <laughs> in all honesty, it looked like a good time. I saw people uh, all getting to meet each other that you know usually only tweet 
together. So that's that's always fun. Uh, yeah. Production value wise, what did you think? The intro was long as shit, in my opinion. I was very happy to see Eugene Levy talking about his hometown Hamilton. That was cool. So cool. And he volunteered to do that. And yeah, just the whole little historic thing, because we all know there's tons of history behind the whole whole story here. And I'm for it. But a uh, question for you, Johnny. Do you know the the nickname for this Ticats field? The Tim Hortons field? Do you know the, its nickname? I don't. It's called the the, the donut box. <laughs> I found that oh, my really God. Funny. That's so funny. I knew it was going to be something Tim's related. Yeah. <laughs> going to watch a game at the donut box, guys. Uh, so it was Alicia Carr that performed, right? Yeah, in the first that, intermission. See, that makes sense to me because she's from Hamilton, I think. No, she's from Brampton. Okay. At least closer. Same area. <laughs> what? Why Willow? Yeah. Um, Why was Willow opening this? Like, were, were the Arkells busy? Well, he wasn't busy enough or too busy to not host something else, right? I don't know if the other half of the band was busy or what happened there. But I didn't even honestly didn't even know what who Willow was until I heard the song play. I was like, oh, that person. Okay. Yeah, it's Willow Smith. Oh, see, I'm like still thinking Willow Smith is like tiny little girl somewhere. But no, they're all grown up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know she she dropped the the Smith part of her stage name, and now she's just Willow, and she's like a punk rock artist now, or pop, oh. I guess punk pop. Wow, pop punk, whatever you, yeah. So she's in that uh, Olivia Rodrigo kind of style, I guess, where they're all ripping off Paramore and pretending it's brand new. Oh, and uh, <laughs> something else I found interesting. Uh, I guess you'd only know if you were online reading different articles. Was that? Kerfoot was a guy blogging through this whole uh, series. So he's already posted two different blogs on NHL.com about being at the Tim Hortons field and just the whole experience. And for Buffalo, it was Jacob Bryson. So I thought that was cool. It's like, how can you trade him after that? Ah, What'd you think of the the construction outfits? Oh, man. I loved it. It's like everyone was so... They looked <laughs> proper in them. Like that would be like their second career or something. And then you see that meme with Matthews and the, the dart hanging out of his mouth, just looking like a Gracie construction worker. It's nice to see for once in ever an NHL team not take themselves so seriously, especially the Leafs. Like we see even on Twitter, there's a lot of teams that like to have fun and the Leafs are just like goal by Austin Matthews or who's watching tonight's game. They're just very you know, yeah. cookie cutter. So it was nice to see them let loose and do something that has nothing to do with the team. We're just going to have fun and uh, and let the guys let loose. So I think that was great. And the interview with um, with Keith, where he told the guys, you know, I mean, I now I'm regretting him telling them this, but he said it's kind of like a break for them and, you know, just have fun and, you know, enjoy yourselves out there, but uh, enjoy themselves a little too much. It's nice that they have the family skate. You see Tessa and Riley out there skating with all the other families and their kids. Yeah, and Riley's dad and talking about growing up in Hamilton and yeah, the, all those feel-good moments that are great and all. But 
you know, they're there to have fun. They're there to play some pond hockey pretty much. But and there's so many little things behind the scenes. Like another thing I wanted to bring up was the Leafs and Sabres. They donated to Hockey for Youth and they're actually expanding this program into Hamilton because it's only based in Toronto, Ottawa and Montreal. And it's pretty much a free on ice and off ice teach program which is technology entrepreneurship arts community giving healthy active living etc to newcomers in canada so i thought these little details were so nice but obviously i don't know if they had enough time to mention this on the broadcast because it was pretty packed they had a heavy schedule they should have started it earlier then honestly like they pushed it and everything and i don't know when it's originally three then it's four and puck drop is like 4 30 mm-hmm I don't know. I feel like it's outside, especially at this time of year. You want to get this over with before it gets too cold. And while the sun's out, eh, really take advantage of it. It was nice out earlier. I know Beaner was telling us that the gates opened at like three o'clock or something and the puck drop was at four. And even I was thinking to myself, is that even enough time, especially if you want your kids to do all of the little events while you're there and to grab your snacks and food? Because I think... It, the the guys were warming up and I was looking at the stands and it's the place seemed empty at the time. That's weird. Honestly, they should make a day out of it. How they have like the Rogers hometown hockey set up yeah. where there's, you know, just doesn't have to be a big band. Just have a band outside playing and, you know, little booths and things and, you know, whatever games and stuff, kids taking shots on a net or a little skating rink, whatever. Like you can make a day of this and and have, man, whatever, just a missed opportunity. Yeah, and that theme, though, the only thing I realized for this theme was, I guess, the stars and striped banners around the actual ice to commemorate the the Canada and U.S. theme, but it kind of stopped there. I don't know. No kidding. Um, Gretzky looked awkward, as he always does when he has to talk in front of that many people. And uh, shout out to the women's Canadian hockey team for uh, getting an amazing shout out. Called him out one by one, had a couple planes fly over, and Ron McLean had his dad, that's for you, ladies, moment. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah. It was, you know, it was kind of like for every good thing they did, there was a thing that was like, oh my God, what is this? Like BXA with the hot dog and talking to his like mom's cousins, nephews, whoever the fuck that was. Yeah. Who even knows? This guy's such a dick. Just the way he's talking to patrons in the stands, I'm like, come on, man, this is live. Like you can make the most out of this moment. Instead, you're just making an ass out of this random person for no reason. Yeah, I feel like it was a little patronizing because it's like, did you check about this story first? And you're like, whatever, this guy seems like he's got something he wants to say. I'll just give him his two seconds and then make him feel like an idiot. That's exactly his attitude. He's like, oh, whatever, I'm just going to do whatever I want here. But I got to say, I did appreciate, though, did you notice they had a Ukrainian player from their national team drop the puck at this ceremonial puck drop? So that was a little cherry on top. I really appreciated. I couldn't catch the name, though. Um, Wish I caught that. Wouldn't be able to pronounce it if I did. Yeah, exactly. So probably doing the listeners a favor right now. (laughs) But... It reminded me when they did that ceremonial puck drop, though, when they called Taveras and Ocposo up, that the Sabres don't have a captain. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, Kyle Ocposo, um, really? Is, yes, I, guess, I guess he's the longest tenured one and the oldest one. I, sure. Yeah. Just looking at this 
roster. I can't really think of any. Well, Middlestat, no. Who would you really give it to? Um, Darlene. Darlene would be my next guess, yeah. Or even Anderson. They were highlighting him a lot tonight, so. Mm. Can't give it to goalies. I know, but I mean, for him to go up just to. To take a ceremonial puck drop? No, 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 no. I know. Now I I realize I sound idiotic right now. I mean, just to, I don't know. I don't know. Ignore that thought. Oh, that's good. (laughs) I have Um, Anderson on my mind, you know, because this guy is 2-0 in all, well, 3-0 now in outdoor games. He came into the game with a, I believe it was a 966 save percentage. Oh my god! What do you have his record against the Leafs by chance? Because I know he always beats the Leafs. No, but I know that the Leafs are the second, mo- the second highest in wins in his NHL career. That he's oh the god. teams he's faced, and guess who's number one? The team he's beaten the most. Uh, I don't know. Buffalo. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. Okay, but- so. Uh, there was a hockey game little thing i wanted us to think about coming into this was this brazic basically playing for his job in this game i definitely think so i mean after last game and twitter absolutely exploding about how this choice and goalie selection will illustrate this guy's competence as a coach (laughs) but Obviously, it was the right choice to put Morazic in. We can't deny that. It was. He played a really good first period, that's for sure. Uh, the Leafs were shot heavily. And he, I mean, not that there were too many tough saves to make in that stretch, but he he made all of them. I mean, it's not like it's been tough saves that he's been letting in the last couple of games. So it's nice to see him at least feeling on his game. Yeah, and that ice in the first period, it was snowing a lot more compared to the other two periods. So I think that was to his advantage because he wasn't slipping and sliding around as as much as he normally does. But that's I mean, just my a, theory. He was all the way out of the net on the first save he made, and I was screaming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, he made a couple of good saves. That's That's all I can say. The Leafs were not fantastic in the first. They had a few good chances, nothing exciting. That's all I can say. Yeah, they had the power play and Ingvall just absolutely getting bopped in the face and then a chokehold from behind, like, and gets body slammed by Henestroza. I was like, what am I watching? And it wasn't shown in the first broadcast. I had to get it on a replay on Twitter. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, how did this guy not get five minutes? But the Leafs power play, they could not get set up tonight. No, they could not. And against a team who's 20th on the penalty kill, I think. Or maybe it was 20th Last. on the power play. Last on the penalty kill? Yeah. Okay. Or 22nd, sorry. It was uh, 32nd on the face-off dot. So Oof. overall, their best stat is 20th on the power play. Everything else just goes downhill from there. Yeah, and that I saw the number. Their power play is still like 19%, so it's not even anywhere yeah. near good. Yeah. <sighs> the one thing I was wishing though for, especially after seeing those tampons come out and up Hall's nose was of course a Hall goal because that's what happened last time when we were all <laughs> banking on this being the secret to his scoring success. But I did not catch how he got that bloody nose. I don't know if it was the cold or a stick or what happened. 
I didn't either, but there was a lot of little tussles in front of the net and some shoving. And I mean, there were some cross checks that went uncalled, so could have been anything. Uh, but just to, to bring it back to Morazic playing for his job, uh, do you think, regardless of how he played, do you think he played well enough? Well, I guess not regardless. Do you think he played well enough to keep this job? If you would have asked me this, uh, you know, halfway through the game, sure. If you're asking me now, no. <laughs> it's just so back and forth and wishy-washy. It's like one period he looks solid and he's like, okay, he's finally setting himself down because before the game started, this guy looked nervous as hell. He looked like he was completely in his head, like so, like he did not look confident whatsoever. But near the end, it's like, oh my God, no. again, come on. So while things were still looking up, uh, Cash Money gets a little double rebound off of a face-off that leaves one. And uh, <clears throat> then Matthews, with his 45th of the year, makes it 2-1. to one. So uh, Peyton Krebs tying it up in between that 42 seconds after Cash's goal. But uh, the Leafs did have a lead at 2-1. to one. They did. They did. And uh, we did call that the third line would score first. I know I said Pierre Ingvall, but... This third line has been hot, and I was just hoping that they would break the ice, and I'm happy that they did. Oh, yeah. Uh, the second period was weird, and this is a, an outdoor game, and it was even weird for an outdoor game. Now, I know this is a football field, but I don't know why Brody went for the punt return. <laughs> My God, I know. Because that was one of the craziest bounces I've ever seen. Like, Brody sticks his leg out like he's going for a neon knee a la marcus felino lol and <laughs> oh, wow. uh literally just deflects the puck into his own net and i, I can't really blame morazic for this the puck was no. but the puck wasn't moving that fast he still could have the reaction time should be there that you grab this you're a goalie it was slower than a shot yeah he was completely but fooled. it sucks yeah completely. it's a crazy bounce yeah, yeah. Bad angle, just like the previous game with Mrazic's, Mrazic's blocker. Horrible angle, the worst way possible, straight in the net. So I don't blame Mrazic on this one. I'm going to I'm gonna get, like, he's not on the hook for this one. I'm just going to give him a plus for this one. But Brody, like, obviously yeah. it was a mistake. It was a mistake and we move on. And I honestly still had hope. You know? The first one wasn't on Morazic either. I mean, Lily had a brutal turnover right at the blue line, which set up, um, I forget who passed it off to Krebs, but uh, it was just a one-timer. Henestroza. One. yeah. <laughs> who shouted out Darty Brodard. We didn't know who he was, him and I, before tonight, and now we do. Oh, Johnny, you're admitting that on air? I don't... <laughs> There's some guys that sneak under the radar sometimes, you know? I have a yeah. full-time job outside of watching Leaf games, okay? I can't follow everything. <laughs> yeah, but the good thing about the end of the second, though, was that the Leafs, even though they got a few penalties, they had opportune shorthanded chances. I mean, Riley with breakaway with Marner. Marner, Marner, Marner all over the ice shorthanded, but no, no one could sink it. Honestly, sink it or not, I've never seen a player where every single time a team goes shorthanded, they have a chance, whether they score or not. Mitch Marner is the most insanely dangerous penalty killer I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. But that hook on Thompson from Labushkin, and this is oh, something we've been saying since he started day one. He needs to watch his stick, get his feet moving, and prevent these types of situations. And the second yeah. I saw this guy rushing up on Thompson and Thompson had that extra step on him, I was like, no, and this is definitely going to get called. Yeah, it's just a discipline thing. Like, you see the stick go up and you're like, come on, Lube, you know that's a penalty. Like, what are you doing? Come on, Luby. Lube. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. So, third period. What about that uh, little Rasmus Dahlin versus Austin Matthews saga? What about Maddie getting mad for the first time ever, it seems? I wow. like it. Like, We've never seen him. I mean, not never. There's that little thing that he had with Pierre-Luc Dubois when they were on top of each other. But starting a rivalry like this where they're going back and forth and he's, you know, getting physical. And I mean, I don't love to see him throw a cross check to someone's face. He might actually get fined, hopefully not suspended for that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I mean, it's nice to see him showing emotion and throwing it back at Darlene. Yeah. um, Excuse me. Um, Here's the thing. Matthews is a superstar. And the whole league knows that by now. It's not a secret. And players will go after him. Even though Darlene did not technically target him. But you can tell throughout the game it just got worse and worse till it led to this point. And if this was a player like, let's say, Lucic, like, it would have been real bad. But we know Darlene's not a fighter. And he's still a big boy. But it was just a pushing and shoving type of scenario because Darlene had a quite a smack on Matthews when he ran into him and Matthews kind of just got up and was like whoa where did that train come from well and I think it's sinking in with him that people aren't going to get calls for doing stuff to him so he's got to just take it into his own hands so he I think we're going to see Matthews retaliating a lot more and uh, yes throwing out justice yeah, you can definitely tell that he's not used to taking penalties because he's, he let his anger get the best of him and that cross check to the head, to the neck, whatever it was, completely unacceptable, of course. And I'm glad Bunting came down to the rescue as well, but uh, that could have led to even more issues, which later on there was more scraps. But yeah, I'm all for Maddie getting a little bit more physical because we've been we've been wanting this, you know, he needs to stand up and... Like, he's a big boy, but yeah, unfortunate once again. Yeah, and unfortunately, Leafs couldn't convert on any power play tonight. That probably would have put them back in this game, even if they could score one. Because that third one, holy shit. Mrazek's let in some bad ones this year, but that was just insane. That didn't even deflect off anybody. He just wasn't covering his post. Like, when you see Campbell playing, no matter which side the puck is on, he is so tight to that post because no matter what happens, if it comes off of somebody, it's not going to squeak through between, you know, his right side or his left side in the post. Yeah. How does Morazic not have this covered? Like a shot comes at him from almost the goal line in the corner and it just goes right in. Yeah, this is a double dum-dum play because Sandine gets the puck off the draw behind the net, passes passes it to no man's land absolutely no one in blue in sight of course it goes straight to a buffalo saber which leads to the shot right on the goal line like no, this is an impossible angle this should have never went in even with pure luck but morasic looked tiny he looked like mini mouse yeah. in net like he just so many holes so bad bad 
bad save. You see yeah. uh, Dubis's face just. Oof. And it definitely, it definitely sunk him from there. That shook his confidence. He was off. That was it. Should have honestly after that goal, I wouldn't have blamed Keith if he put Chalgren in, just to be like, oh no, like Mrazic might just collapse now from letting that in, and I need to get him out before that happens. Yeah, I know, and. I don't think he pulled him yet because the score was still pretty close and the Leafs can easily score a couple quick ones. But I think the problem too was that Matthews on that penalty, not out on the power play, just decreases their chances even more because honestly, I hate to talk badly about our captain o captain, but kind of not noticeable in these like high stressful situations. And I know he's a grinding player, but I'm looking for that like quick shots, anything just bury Anderson in net because it's a all or nothing scenario or even William Nylander. Like I want to see him get in there more and play those second line minutes hard, especially with Matthews out. Yeah. The second line was asleep again. I don't know what's going on. I was yeah. really expecting more. They had a couple plays and I'll give them that just a couple. But yeah, we had Kerfoot down on the fourth line in the center, which I also don't get because isn't, isn't Spezza like one of the godfathers of the faceoff circle? Like, why put him on the wing and put Kerfoot in the center? So I think they really wanted him to come back after two games of sitting and actually get something on the scoreboard and feel good about himself. So if they put him on the wing, that decreases his responsibility of playing defensively and getting able to pull off more shots now this is just my theory because maybe they put Kerfoot center because he's usually on the wing on the second line so it's just kind of a roles reverse situation but yeah I don't know and yeah I think Morazic really took a hit there once that goal was called like as a good call on the ice he pushed that post off and People didn't think it was a goal, but it was a good goal. And, uh, yeah, that's always rough. Yeah. Because, <sighs> I mean, he definitely knocked it off himself, and it was, you know, an imminent scoring chance. So that's, that's a good goal. Yeah. And then, uh, empty netter, Tage Thompson finishes it off. So, yeah. Say two, and that's the game. Yeah. One, one little last note I had too when the game was ending, uh, People had their eyes on Matthews. I mean, after the whole Darlene thing, did you see Cousins rock Matthews center ice? Just gave him a huge hit to end off the night. And Bunting ended up scrapping him and leaving the game with 143 to go. But Oof. it's going to happen. It's This is, I think, at the start, especially near the end of the season, the, the teams are gearing up to play a little bit more physical and prep themselves to get ready for the playoffs. Well, obviously not Buffalo, but I mean, they're just play to have fun at this point but <laughs> yeah we keep going against these teams that are playing to have fun or fighting for playoff spots it's like only the atlantic division and metropolitan that are like whatever i don't care anymore just get us to the playoffs <clears throat> yeah exactly but a uh, tough night for Mrazic. i was really hoping for him to bounce back uh this was an awesome opportunity and yeah it's and I'm actually sad to say that Marner was a minus three. Um, Riley was a minus three. And Yikes. Yeah. It's, whew, <laughs> guess and yeah, bunting 12 penalty minutes. 
Yeah, it just wasn't a good showing at all. I mean, everybody's just got to reset and get ready for Dallas, I guess. It's like Keith said, this is just kind of a, a fun exhibition for the NHL's sake more than it is for the Leafs a game and two points. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. And here's the funny part, and we saw this from Thank You Maple Leaf Fan, but Toronto joins Colorado as the only two teams in the NHL with at least 10 players with 10 goals. Like, that's insane. What an that's awesome because stat. I guess Pierre Engvall is now at 10. So that's, yeah. And Cash. And who? I think. Oh, no, I think it was his it, 12. It was before. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, it was the fact that Engvall had 10 after the last game that put them mm. in that, which is crazy because he's the last person I thought was going to have a good second half of the season. I mean, I was kind of looping him in with uh, with Justin Hall at the beginning of this year of just like, why are you on this team? But mm-hmm. Engvall's had a great uh, resurgence. I really like our giraffe. Uh, I think he's really improved all season long. Um, he obviously proved why he should stick to the lineup while he was injured during training camp. And that third line, that third line has been fire. So yeah. I think that third line were the only line that wasn't a minus tonight. I'm just looking at it now. Yeah. Cam was, e- oh no, he was minus one, but. So who do you think was being advertised in tonight's game? Who do you think is being put in a position for the purpose of being shown off to scouts? Well, it has to be the guys that we think are on the road. So maybe guys like Justin Hall, even Timothy Lilgren, um, Morazic, of course. Uh, I mean, how do you not let this scenario run through your mind at this point? Uh, a month ago, I know we were saying, no, this isn't going to happen. Even a couple episodes episodes ago, but then we didn't see Campbell going down. We didn't see like these injuries occur. So, Morazic. Mm. So I'm going to say, just to loop back to what we were talking about earlier, I think putting Kerfoot on as a center was trying to advertise that, hey, just because we're playing him on the wing doesn't mean that he can't also play center. We just have been doing that because of the surplus of centers we have. By the way, Alex Kerfoot can play center. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But oh, it just hurts to lose Alex Kerfoot, especially oh, it would. giving that uh, blogging role to him for this series. And oh, man, what a team player. But. I know it's just one of those. uh, Yeah. It's just an unfortunate number that he makes. He's the only one that makes enough to make an impact on the cap and not enough that he's a big name. Right. Yeah, exactly. And isn't a defenseman, which we can't afford to get rid of. unless it's named Justin Hall. So that actually (laughs) brings us to a Twitter question here from our pigeon coop. Um, what if this, it's not really a question, more of a discussion from Mike at MTC underscore 80. What if instead of uh, Kerfoot, one for one, here's the trade. To Toronto, JT Miller, to Vancouver, William Nylander. All day long. I would take that all day long. Um, yeah. I think JT Miller is a more complete player than William Nylander. And I simply say that because... We know William Nylander can play at elite levels when he wants to, but when he doesn't, it is so noticeable that it just turns the spectators against him. I mean, there's like 
I never think when Nylander's on the ice that I'm like, oh, no, or yes, kind of like Matthews. Like if Matthews comes down the ice and dekes a bunch of players out, I'm I'm more confident in him than a guy like Nylander, whereas JT Miller does it all. He has all three position capabilities. He uh, penalty kills. He's on the power play. He does everything. And I know Willie was on the PK, but... Yeah, I think he's more valuable at this point, even though he's older. What do you think, Johnny? And I mean, we talked about this last episode when Bean brought up trading Nylander. Um, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's one of those, as Darty calls it, the Jonas Valanciunas trade, where it's somebody that you know is near and dear to the fans, but eventually, if you want to win, you got to make the move. So I agree. I think Miller's the, the full package of a player, uh, closer to what we get out of Marner and Matthews. And I think that's a really good partner for um, John Tavares. And uh, the JT squared line would be really cool to have just from a fun standpoint. Uh, Yeah, I see Nylander kind of in the vein, like almost like Kadri, where in a couple seasons he could pop off and have his best season of his career. And then the next season he'll have half of those points. And then he'll slowly, like, you know, it's it's never going to be consistent, but some years he's going to be a crazy impactful player. Like, I mean, we saw in the playoffs last year, he was the only one who turned it on. So he, he's always going to be a factor. It's just unpredictable when that's going to be. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think if the Leafs want to make a solid push for the playoffs and pass the first round, Mm -hmm. uh, consistency is going to be key. And that's something that Miller has been able to uh, prove on a Vancouver team that has been very hot and cold and gone through turmoil of firing a, coach and you know whole front office change and yeah, yeah. Miller. and i would like to see nylander with elias patterson i think that would be a really fun swedish little combo <laughs> to see <laughs> that would be nice but yeah will miller would just be the fantasy dream come true and he's just consistent like we said and w- willie's just so hot and cold and we need him to be hot consistently and he started that way this year and that's why i said maybe a couple episodes ago or a couple weeks ago saying it almost scared me to talk badly about willie since he had such a hot streak because it was no when he had the dry spell with jt and then I don't know. It just, yeah, it's it's hard to talk about because we love William Nylander, but mm, it's, it's it's like the Vancouver Canucks are about two years behind the Leafs, I'd say, in terms of development and like how far away they are from actually going for it. And I think JT Miller is, you know, two years ahead of them, and Nylander's two years behind the Leafs. That's the only way I can kind of justify it. Is they're not better or worse? Like I'm not happy to give up Nylander, Nylander. Mm -hmm. pardon me I just think that position wise for both the players and teams it would make more sense because it gives Vancouver a chance to develop Nylander alongside all their other guys that are about the same age and uh, build a team that they can have for a long time and it gives the Leafs a, a solid chance for this year to actually make the push and potentially do the same next year if the uh they're successful or not yeah uh jt miller already has 30 power play points this year what's his uh how many years has he signed for uh this is his final year this is it okay yeah that's why that's what i thought he wants big money in the off season i'm sure and he's rightfully so earned it so, so what that does too is you're losing nylander's seven and a bit million cap hit 
and then you're gaining somebody that then disappears off the books and free agency now becomes, you know, fun because you have like $8 million to play with. Yeah. Especially when you've got, you know, maybe you have to re-sign Kasha and you want to re-sign Campbell and you want to, you know, there's a lot of things Leafs need to work in. So I don't know. It would, it wouldn't be fun. I don't think it'll happen. I think for the sake of discussion, that's uh, I think we, I think we nailed it. Yeah. So next one from Simon Nomas, Nomas 97. There are only four players not moving from this team. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, and uh, who's MR? Morgan Riley. Jesus. <laughs> Holy, I had a brain fart. Uh, everyone else is up for grabs to improve the team. Fantasize what 1-2-D you could acquire for Nylander. Probably coming from non-PO team, playoff team. Or one who is heavy on D, Carolina, to narrow the list. Hmm. Funny, everybody's now talking about trading Nylander. I did not even yeah. read this in advance. Oh. This was just a coincidence. That's yeah. really funny. That's the story of Leafs Nation. The second they dry up, is uh, they're on the chopping blocks. <laughs> so well, who's a that... who's a, a big D you'd go for for, for our Willie? With that cap space, considering his contract, that leaves all the options wide open. Um, hmm. I would love to have Chikrin, of course, but now he's injured. Which I think makes things more interesting because then you add his cap hit to the injured reserve before the trade deadline. If Dubas does this tra- trade tomorrow, it'd be nice. Keep them all injured. Yeah. Then make another move and then bring Muzzin, Chikrin, and somebody else back. <laughs> yeah. Or I would make a package deal maybe with like Chicago, for example, and get a guy like Connor Murphy and then another forward on top, like um, who was the person we were talking about, the the cheap Hagel. Hagel and Murphy for Nylander and... And that it. That's it? Yeah. Hmm. Because we know Murphy's contract is a little hefty too, but he's such a valuable defensive what? defender. But and he signed for like five or six years. Yeah, but I think on a good, better team, he would excel, but mm, it's it's hard. I, I don't I know. I'm just, I've always had Connor Murphy in the back of my mind, but maybe uh, a two for one. Klingberg? Yeah, I feel like he'd I want think money more. wise. Well, I mean, I think money wise that makes more sense. Yeah. Um Nylander for Klingberg or who else is out there? I mean Sam Gerard, if you wanna I mean he's now I'm just looking on the screen, out for four weeks and Gabriel Landeskog out indefinitely, so never Ooh. mind. Not Sam Gerard. Um Yeah. Who who's on Carolina that'd be nice? Your favorite player? No. <laughs> I'm not getting Tony D'Angelo. Uh, so I think that kind of, yeah, I don't know who else to grab. Uh, Carrie Spears, how do the Leafs flip the power play disadvantage that keeps recurring year after year? Um, I think we just answered it. Trade William Nylander for somebody who is more consistent at scoring. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what happened tonight. Because the, 
we're not jumping on the trade William Nylander train. It's just like no. we're running out of options. <laughs> we are running out of options and things to talk about when it comes to trade because we've talked about so many possibilities. But yeah, uh, this power play situation, uh, they couldn't get set up tonight. Uh, the game before tonight, they had a clinic on the power play. So it's just so unpredictable. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, uh, breaking news. Tom Brady is returning to the NFL. He's going oh. out of retirement and going to play for the Buccaneers. Uh, I thought he already unretired. I never, I, I didn't think he actually did, but whatever. He is officially un, not unretired. Yeah, okay. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> so um, another thing I want to touch on, because it's so funny. I mentioned this when it happened the other day. So John Cooper got tossed from the Tampa Bay-Pittsburgh game. And because of all the shots of John Cooper's face, I was like, I really hope John Boy does a lip reading breakdown of this because there's so many clean shots of John Cooper talking. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, I go on YouTube, a new video. John Cooper gets ejected from the game. John Boy Media. Let's go. Highly recommend that one. It's hilarious as always. Um, So Wes McCauley was the ref. Actually, to set it up, Tristan Jari made one of the coolest saves, or not even saves, just one of the coolest plays from a goalie I've ever seen. Puck was in the air behind the net, and he reached back like behind the net, and with two people racing for the puck, he tips it out of the air with his goalie stick towards himself and catches it. <laughs> like the puck was in the air, and he just goes, nope, and just kind of clubs it over to himself in front of the net and catches it. It was wild. But uh, anyway, that... So uh, Corey Perry pushes towards the net after he catches it and a little scrum ensues. Uh, Perry gets roughed up. Somebody jumps on uh, Crosby and Rust pulls them off of Crosby. And there's just, to be quite honest, in my opinion, more roughing from the Pittsburgh side. But at the end of it, Pittsburgh gets one roughing call and Corey Perry gets a double roughing call, which is insane because he was beat up on by three guys. Mm. Uh, just lovely officiating the last couple of weeks <sighs> these last couple so, of weeks have been so frustrating yeah no kidding so the uh the ref Wes mccauley as we all know goes over to uh the pittsburgh bench and starts explaining the call and john cooper's like um why is nobody explaining it to me because <laughs> i'm also part of this and i'm yeah. getting a, the worst call here i would <laughs> like some answers and so he yells over to the bench, you fucking part of the team, Wes? No. And he's like, no, you're just, you're just fucking part of the team now? No, go go keep go for it. It's fine. This is <laughs> this is embarrassing. And he just keeps I don't remember word for word what he says, but just keeps laying into him for like playing favorites in this. And so they tossed him. And quite frankly, in this whole discussion of officiating, like this is unacceptable that if anybody starts questioning them they they have the most insane power in this league you can't question them you get fined you can't question them you get tossed out of the game like i know how does anything supposed to change like how are you supposed to teach the little kids how to do right when you won't take accountability of yourselves (laughs) yeah how are you supposed to set an example and uh jesse blake was talking about this on dangle's show um the nba in the last two minutes has to do a report, like their two-minute report or whatever. So if anything happens in the final two minutes of a basketball game and they miss it, they have to write a report saying, hey, you know, we missed this, this foul happened, yada, yada. How does that not happen in the NHL where, hey, it's the last five minutes or whatever, 
these things happen and we missed it or just some availability for a set amount of time where it's like the the media that are pre-approved can prep questions for the ref and they can choose you know three of them that they're going to answer just give even like i get that they have insane power and they don't want to be harassed that's why they don't want to put faces to these people and names Mm -hmm. but like at some point there needs to be accountability if the players can get fined and suspended for everything they do then the refs need to be accountable for creating dangerous atmospheres for games like these this marcus felino knee on knee Mm -hmm. on um who was it that just got hit they were on my team and now i already forget blanking um it wasn't thomas it was um it oh my gosh yeah, now you're blanking me. Um, Who did I just drop? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Martinez. You dropped Martinez no. to make room for... No, there was another one. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just... Transactions. Who did I... Uh, Murphy. Was it Voracek? Voracek. Oh, my God. What am I saying? So, saying? Jakob Voracek gets, uh, tries to get around Marcus Foligno, and he sticks his knee out and just blows out his leg. Like, he goes down. He can't stand up on his own. Voracek goes off. And Foligno gets a $5,000 fine and no suspension. Like, I I do not understand any of this. And Max Pacioretty p- sucker punched uh, Brandon Russ in the back of the head, who has a history of concussions and a stroke and gets nothing. Like, it's there's no consistency. Like, there, I'm, I keep saying this, and I'm not just being, like, complaining and whiny. There needs to be a meeting about this. Like, they need to sit down with Gary and the NHLPA and whoever represents the refs and like, okay, let's hash this out. Something's wrong. This is going to get ugly. They need to, but they won't because Gary thinks that his league is oh so perfect and that the officials are just doing their job because he spoke about this before very recently. And yeah, it's horrible. I hate to say that, but I agree with you, Johnny. They need to do something. And I'm hoping that after Gabriel Laniscog spoke out against the officials and took that risk, uh, I was hoping Matthews or Keefe would have done that last game, um, but they kind of played it safe there. I feel like there's going to be more scenarios with with how few games there are left and it's still going to happen because the stakes are high at this point and the divisions are so, so close in points. Every second matters. It's not like even though the Leafs are number one in this and have these top five in the league's overall stats, it's just you. someone's always there coming up, trailing behind you. So these the points matter the most. And the officials taking these points away, we need a protest. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw, Connor Murphy was taken out on a stretcher the other night, so yeah. I totally forgot when we were talking about him in trade talks. <clears throat> He, oh, yeah, uh, that was scary. He he literally went limp getting hit into the boards head first. Oh. Um, so he was stretchered off. That was scary. Wishing him the best. But I mean, I'm not just complaining about my fantasy team being hurt, but mm-hmm. Connor Murphy, Robert Thomas, uh, Jakob Voracek, Jacob Chikrin, Drake Batherson, Max Pacioretty, and Nico Heischer, Jack Campbell. These guys, the NHL cannot afford to have this many of their top players injured because of just dangerous moves. Yeah. Because games are, are being reffed out of hand. Yeah. Like, luckily, I uh, heard Brad Myers actually retiring at the end of the season. So, oh. there'll be some safer games in the NHL. <laughs> but speaking of defenders, uh, before we let this go from the Leafs, uh, we did have one Twitter question that I, I do want to hear your opinion on it too, Johnny. Uh, we got it from uh, 
Johnny Vanilla, or Jimmy Vanilla, sorry. And he asked, would you put Brody and Riley back together? Um, I don't know why Sandine wasn't with Riley. I think they, oh no, they didn't work well together. They weren't that bad. Uh, would I put them back together? No, because it's the only thing that makes Justin Hall playable until he's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I would if it, it depends on the trade that Dubas makes. Um, if it's somebody to be a partner for the return of Jake Muzzin, then I think until then Brody has to fill Jake Muzzin's role in the second line. I think that's just inevitable. Um, yeah. Unless the person that they bring in can play with Riley on the first or I don't know. I just I don't think with the injury to Muzzin, hopefully with Sandy and back this changes, but I don't think with the injury to Muzzin you can afford to put your two best defenders together on one line. That's all. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, I have less anxiety when Brody plays with Hall, so I think it's a good temporary replacement until we see something. But yeah, tough one though because tonight the D were mm-hmm. not good. Yeah, yeah Lilligren unfortunately is. Uh, been disappointing me lately he had a really good start to the season and the last week or two i've just been i know really not impressed by his play and it's it sucks because somebody had to drop out of this lineup especially with labushkin coming in and now with somebody else coming in before the deadline uh it's it's going to be either hall dermot or lilligren i think two of the three of them can't make the lineup if somebody else comes in it would be is that riley brody Muzzin, Labushkin, Sandine. So yeah, really only one of Dermot, Hall, and Lilligren can make a lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's looking that way. and Two it's... of them while Muzzin's still out. but Yeah, and I think for the better too at this point. So one out of three or rotate yeah. them or something. Yeah, it's it's crazy that we went from having none to... We'll actually have some defensive depth, I guess, come to playoff time. I mean, it'd be nice that if somebody goes down, you can you're pulling Travis Dermott up instead of you know somebody from like you know Alex Biega or something. Yeah. How about Duzak? Uh, saw a report with the Marlies. He's pretty much a point per game player with I think wow. uh, thirty seven points in thirty five games or something like that. Uh, don't quote me on it, but. He requested out of Toronto because he realizes that there's so much depth in front of him. And I'm just thinking to myself after just seeing his stats, I'm not going to lie, I haven't watched any Marley's games, but why don't you try this guy out? What position does he play? He's a defender. Yeah. like I'm sorry. I mean, like what side? Um, hmm. I'd have to quickly look that up. And fun fact, though, he actually played one of those games as a forward. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but it must have yeah. been down from people getting called up to the Leafs or something. He's um, right-handed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, try him out. Why not? We got try him out for the Dallas game or something before the deadline. He has he forty well points in forty games. Holy shit! As a right-handed defender. Crazy. And 46 penalty minutes. So yeah. obviously Hold on to him for next year. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't he's blow playing the with the contract. Yeah. But he's played with uh, just, uh, he's played with the Marley since 2018, 2019. Like he's not a new guy. Okay. Well, 
We'll have wow. to uh, have been have a uh, report on him for next time. That'll be fun. Uh, another one from Matt Sundin. Oh, you know what's funny? I've been reading Matt's Sundin, and I never said it out loud. And now that I do, I'm like, fuck, that's the joke. I never, <laughs> I never got the joke. What? I did. I swear to God, it's like Matt, like Matt's son, S O N D E A N. Like it's, it's just. Oh. Yeah, Matt's son, Dean. I know that one went way over my head. I'm an idiot. <laughs> So Mrazek was victimized by his own team, but even without those goals and uh, the EN, uh, what's that? Empty netter. Oh, the empty netter. Um, the best they get is a 2-2 tie versus the Sabres. Is Schalgren the new number one after a handful of NHL minutes? He can't be. He can't be. He's yeah. like the fourth or fifth string goalie. I don't think he's not even above Wall and maybe he's above Hutchinson. Maybe he's put himself fourth above Hutchinson and dropped him down to five. Like, great. Yeah. Or maybe six even below Carter Hutton. But the they need to make a move for a goalie now. And I hate this because for the last couple of weeks, I've been like, no, 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 these guys will be fine. And then, of course, Campbell, we find out, has been playing hurt. And Morazic uh, has been playing AHL. So <laughs> I, I they have to do something. Yeah. I know he had an excellent third period last game and he made – uh, what, 11 or 10 saves on 11 shots, but this does not make him the number one. I mean, that was his NHL debut, and he played, like, what, 20 minutes? <laughs> so, Yeah, the Leafs just can't score four or five goals to win every single night. It's it's mm-hmm. not sustainable. So somebody's got to get them some saves, whether that's Carol Vamelka or it's Craig Anderson or, or it's, I don't know, who else is available? Braden Holtby? Like somebody that at least can play. Like, I mean, Steph, your point on Carol Vamelka's numbers against Colorado and the Leafs and Tampa and Florida, it's it's crazy. This guy's insane. He's so yeah. good on a garbage team. On a completely garbage team, this guy is making 40 plus saves a night and putting up excellent, excellent numbers. And I'm just picturing what he can do on a an elite team because he's not young either. He did play in, I believe, Swedish League or KHL or something, and he signed the one-year contract. But I'm like, if you're willing to plug in a Marley with less than five games experience and go all in, for example... Uh, the wall, the brick wall, why wouldn't you give a guy who's played almost a whole NHL season and has six plus years in Europe as your plug? Like, I think that would be the safer bet because he's already been facing uh, players in the league with elite shots. Like he's been tested by Sid, Ovi, Matthews, et cetera, et cetera. Vimalka was drafted by the Predators fifth round, 145th overall, 2015. So he's 25 years old. That's not bad at all. That's somebody that if you get them, you're locking them down. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, Campbell, but I would uh, I would take Vimalka as number one and him as number two. Yeah. And I'm very happy Forsberg is having an excellent late year, but his age just immediately puts him out of the equation for me anyways. Um, I would go a guy with a long life left in the NHL, like Vez Melka here. Um, <laughs> might yeah, as well recruit another Yote. And he's on a one-year 925 right now, so you do have to re-sign him at the end of the year. But look, 
freeing up that space by sending Morazic the other way or sending whoever the other way to get him. Because we've obviously opened this relationship with Arizona and they need to take on valuable contracts. Yeah. Um, I think, like, I mean, a goalie that's signed for the next two years that's not great, that can keep them losing, is exactly what Arizona wants. Yeah. Please give us Carol Vamalka. We will sign him for the next eight years, please. <laughs> and even though um, he has excellent numbers against elite teams, he obviously doesn't have the wins to back it up. So I don't think even if the Leafs did end up signing him, it wouldn't be a large deal anyway. So it would work in the Leafs favor with their cap strung uh, issue here. No, give him what Colorado just gave Pavel Franzus two times two. Yeah, I was That's shocked to see such that. Such a steal. Such a steal. I have him and Kemper, obviously, but uh, on my fantasy team, as I've mentioned a bazillion times. But Franzu's on the year. Um, he's got 10 wins, a 920 save percentage, and 246 GAA. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's a good backup goalie. But, I mean, okay. At the same time, is $2 million too much for a backup goalie who's playing... Is that 10 out of how many has Kemper played to 27? So he plays a third of the games. Mm. Two million is not bad. No, that's not bad. Especially at all. for a, uh, for somebody that's that good. Yeah. Who has better numbers than, I mean, obviously they're less games, but he has better numbers than Kemper does. And that's wow. what you want out of a starter. Somebody that's consistent playing less games. So. For anyone that's not familiar with Carol Vilmelka, um, in his last three starts, uh, even though they had a 3-2 loss to Boston, he posted a 9-25 and made 37 saves. Wow. Uh, he played in the 9-2 win against Detroit and posted a 9-29. And he played in the 2-1 win against Colorado and posted a 9-77. He saved here's 42 the, shots. So here's the thing I'll bring up, though, is goalies that take a lot of shots play well sorry goalies that play well when they take a lot of shots don't play well when they don't the yeah. Leafs don't give up 45 shots a night like Arizona does do you think he can still play like that <clears throat> I mean the Leafs defense is also not great so <laughs> maybe he's just good at that well considering that he's on an Arizona team I, I'm willing to bet on it that he can like that's Fair. the factor for me and especially in the beginning of the year where Arizona was not hot I mean, right now they are hot, but this guy, remember early, early in the year, Johnny, you punked me with his name because yeah. we had no idea who this goalie was. And you just said a totally random made up Eastern European name. And I was like, oh, oh really? Yeah. And you're just like, ha ha, punk. He's and now everybody. This. Now everybody knows who this guy is. He made a name for himself in half a season. Yeah. On the worst team in the league. That says a lot. Exactly. So I would target him. I would too. I have, I have to agree. Um, so before we sign off, we have an interview that uh, Steph and I recorded earlier today before the game that we were teasing this week. So we have the man known as only Ledge, Legendary, uh, who uh, is the owner of Rink Rats NFTs. So like we were talking about yesterday, we've got a whole discussion with him. It's about 15 minutes that'll close this podcast off. And uh, he'll be telling us all about what Rink Rats is. And, you know, we, we get right down to the basics of, you know, what what is an NFT? What's the application in the world right now? 
What can we look forward to in the future? And uh, how you own one, what it means to own one, all that. Any questions you might have, I guarantee I tried to ask them and get legible answers. Yeah, it's all hockey related, which is cool. So um, lots of cool stuff about Matthew's NFTs and uh, the other teams that have launched some. So really interesting stuff. Um, I apologize if it's a little too much for some people, but it's we're all trying to learn what we can. I didn't know that much before we talked, so... Yeah, super interesting. I had no idea. I honestly am a dinosaur when it comes to this kind of stuff. So yeah, thank you so much, Legendary, for coming on once again. And you guys definitely check out Rink Rats. Uh, Lots of new and exciting things coming up in the near, near future. And we're super excited. You bet. So we'll be back with the, uh, the Dallas game. When is that? Tuesday? It is. Cool. Tuesday at 7. Sweet. So we'll be right after that game with you and uh we'll have some fun announcement that day so stay tuned for that we're signing off stay tuned for the meeting right after bye-bye bye-bye all right so welcome back to leafs late night and as promised we are joined today by ledge and dairy of rink rats nfts ledge how's it going hey i'm doing good johnny thanks for having me and also i'm joined by the co-host fanalist steph Thank you for uh, hopping on for this. Of course. Very excited for this awesome NFT lesson. So I'm all ears. (laughs) Yeah. So not going to lie. I I mean, I think base knowledge is about as far as I'd say I go. Um, I get the gist of it. And I've seen, you know, the the apes and all the different uh, the top shots and kind of the the well-publicized applications we've seen of this. But uh, I guess in your own words, what what do you see the application of nfts in the real world and i guess the not real world um uh, how do you see this being applied what's your your take on this oh man um nfts can be applied in basically every industry for any reason um it's a major major technological advancement for the internet um it helps us to transition to web3 so um not sure how familiar the audience is with uh with web3 but Essentially, the beginning of the internet was Web 1, where you could just kind of read stuff on the internet, um, whether it be news or educational material, but you couldn't really contribute to the internet. Web 2, we had social apps like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You could actually contribute to the internet. In fact, we're doing um, a little bit of Web 2 contribution to the internet right now with this podcast. Um, (laughs) There you go. So, um, but the problem so far has been that we don't technically own our digital assets. Mm-hmm. Um, so NFTs give us the opportunity to actually own our digital assets through the blockchain technology. Okay, so I guess the the biggest thing for people in, I guess, having this a hard thing to grasp is that it's it's the next version of the internet. So it's hard to have a base to compare this to because it's something that we're just not really familiar with yet, but it's going to be huge soon. I mean, like you were saying, this is this is the next step in the internet. So uh, specifically with rank rats, what are you hoping to bring to the hockey world with this? So rank rat, um, the project is kind of an overall web three project, starting with NFTs. Um, the initial sale is going to give, uh, 9,999 unique pieces of art, uh, rank rat art, art to the, uh, community. And with that, um, there are so many applications we want to apply, and I can go over a few, but um, 
can't really give all the secrets at the moment, but um, <laughs> essentially uh, these these rink rats are going to give you access to exclusive clubs, events, early access and discounts on uh, items, whether they be physical or digital in the hockey space. Um, there will likely be viewing parties in our uh, virtual land that we end up buying and building on in the in uh, VR and, and the metaverse. Um, you know, I think a big part of it, too, is being a part of this community. There are uh, hundreds of millions of hockey fans and growing every year worldwide. And there are you know, only 10,000 of these NFTs to be part of this uh, biggest hockey community in, in VR and in, in Web3. So um, with that usually come some big names. We've seen celebrities buying board apes and things like that. And, um, you know, it's a different type of project than that. But at the same time, there are some, uh, you know, actually the way I got into NFTs was that Austin Matthews dropped his own yeah. NFT project and I bought a few of those. Um, so that's what really got me into NFTs about a year ago. Um, and I just can't get hmm. enough. So um, I guess the final thing with Rink Rat that people will get, and maybe even the most important thing is, is passive income, because with NFTs, you can kind of write in the contract of ownership uh, with a smart contract that it can automatically execute certain tasks. And one of those tasks that we are going to execute with Rink Rats is that every NFT owner, uh, Rink Rat NFT owner gets essentially a portion of ownership of the Rink Rat business. So for future revenues in the uh, in Rink Rats, um, uh, there's a kickback for all of the NFT holders. So it's not a valueless wow. JPEG picture. You know, there's uh, actual utility coming with our project. Oh. That's really cool. I like that. So you, uh, you got a lot more with it than just, like you said, than just a JPEG. So with that, what do you think is the biggest misconception about NFTs that uh, the common person would have? There are quite a lot. I think that a lot of people maybe just need to be more aware of, of what the utility is for NFTs, but a lot of things that we hear often are that it's a scam, uh, that it's a Ponzi scheme, um, that they're useless, it's no different than the technology we have today. Um, and so, you know, I think that it's difficult to explain to people when it's so early right now. Um, and, you know, to be fair, there are a lot of scams in the NFT space. There are a lot of people trying to take advantage of, of other people that are maybe not as knowledgeable on the subject and can't tell the difference between a good and a bad project. Um, but we can relate it kind of to the internet in the early days when people were afraid to put their credit card online or they were afraid to just interact online uh, with strangers and on messaging apps. And today we do it daily um, and we choose to do it. And it's, it's not a scam, right? And there were a lot of people back then saying the internet's a fad, it's a scam. Um, we see the same sort of behavior with people who are unfamiliar with NFTs. Yeah, and I think it's important, like you said about uh, Web2, how, you know, it's the first time that people were able to post things and contribute to it. And there was a, a ton of places that you could do that that weren't necessarily the best place to. And those are all gone now. I mean, we've seen the, I guess, the cream of the crop of, of these sites rise to the top. And, and now it's just widely accepted as okay, like you said. So I expect to see the same with this NFT market, where most of these scams, as it gets I don't want to say regulated, but people start to learn more about it. You can see through these things quicker and you're not, uh, I just think back to, you know, the days of LimeWire and you learn how to see through what's going to be, what's going to be the song you actually want and what's going to give you uh, something else. You know, you just, you just learn to uh, get through the weeds, you know? 
Yeah, when I think about this kind of stuff, I'm completely new. Honestly, I don't have much knowledge about it because it's one of those fast growing things where it's kind of like I took a nap, woke up, and then we have 10 different kinds of cryptocurrencies and I'm like out of the loop for some reason. You know what I mean? Like unless you're in that market, it's like you have to do your own research, of course. But yeah, I'm completely ignorant to it. So I'm so interested to learn because people are making money nowadays off the trading, the crypto, all that stuff. I'm like, hey, now, what did I do wrong? I want in on this. <laughs> so Ledge, were you already into the crypto market before you got into NFTs, like you said, with Austin Matthews, or was it kind of all together? Uh, I've been in the crypto market since 2013, actually, when I was wow. uh, when I was still in university and um, I, I was scrounging money to buy Bitcoin. Um, and so back then, uh, it was even more of the Wild West than it is today. So um, that didn't exactly go as planned. But with persistence, I, I ended up figuring it out. Back then, it was a lot more complicated, too. Um, it's a lot more streamlined now. You can go on a Coinbase and just buy, you know, from your bank account with Bitcoin. It's in your account. It's pretty simple. But um, yeah, so since 2013, I've been into crypto. Um, I started buying virtual land in December of 2019, um, which is sort of a form of an NFT, um, but it's kind of like, you know, just, I think we, a lot of people have seen virtual land, and virtual um, real estate online. So I uh, got into that. And then from the Austin Matthews drop, that's when I really started, uh, had a kind of, I guess, a basic idea of what NFTs were, but I dove uh, into the deep end. Once I saw that he was dropping those, we then saw, you know, Matthew Kachuk and Wayne Gretzky and the Seattle Kraken and Calgary Flames, there are a bunch of teams now and, and individuals getting into the NFT space in the hockey community. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, oh, so so which crypto specifically are you taking to um, to buy rank rats? I, I guess I don't really know how it works, but how would a transaction work to buy one? Sure. So we are going to be using the Ethereum blockchain. Um, it is basically the prominent, the leader, the number one blockchain for nfts there are a bunch of other ones that we could use but uh you know over 90 percent of all nft transactions go through ethereum it's just the front runner right now and it is um you know it's, its technology is very sound so uh we're going to be launching on the ethereum blockchain the way that people can participate is um on any browser you can download the metamask uh, wallet extension so that's your digital wallet Okay. Um, you can buy Ethereum right on the MetaMask uh, platform there. And then we will be launching our project probably on our website. You can mint it and then they will be for sale in the aftermarket on OpenSea, which is the biggest marketplace for NFTs. Mm. Uh, now, just, I guess, another little explain like we're five. Um, I've <laughs> learned a little bit about minting and that whole process, but could you just give a brief explanation on what the minting of NFTs is? Yeah, so the minting of the NFT basically means that you are writing that NFT to the blockchain. And what that means is, you know, in layman's terms, pretty much, you're just creating that NFT to make it available for use and for trade on the blockchain. Hmm. Yeah, easy enough. I think the easiest explanation that really got to me, though, was the web one, two, and then three uh, comparison. Because when you think about uploading your video to Facebook, for example, people just assume that they own it, but they technically don't. So it's interesting to think about. And yeah, it's like a whole new world for me. So 
Thank you. Exactly. And there are actually, you know, another um, analogy that may make some sense to other listeners here um, on Fortnite or Rocket League or NHL um, video games. People spend real money on these games and there's no way mm-hmm. to get your money out. Do you buy a skin on Fortnite? You get a cool skin, but you can never sell it to anybody, maybe in game for in game currency. But you oh, can never okay. get your dollars back. And so with Web3, you know, if you buy one of these things and it's on the blockchain, one of these digital items, you can you know, sell it to anybody. If you get a real rare item, you can resell it. If you decide to quit the game, you can resell it and get real usable money back, not just in-game currency. It's funny. That's the analogy that clicked for me was that it's almost like buying cosmetic things. It's like microtransactions from games that they're trying to apply into real life. Like you can buy things that don't apply directly to a game. But again, to this being able to resell rare items, we saw that come up and all these games shut it down and there's all these laws about it. You know, you can't do that because you don't own these things. So this really just flips the table on that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a big game changer. I think in 10 years, any game that doesn't have NFTs is not going to be played. Yeah, it's funny. One of our first episodes, we talked about how the uh, the NHL games are we're talking about doing nfts but they don't really have a concrete plan as to how they're going to implement it yet but i mean i feel like every shareholder meeting they have to say nft or you know they're going to start (laughs) losing money yeah so (laughs) i mean obviously uh, ea and nhl are trying to jump into that but uh, how do you see it uh, being able to be applied to like an nhl game like that well yeah that's where it gets very interesting and i'm very passionate about this hopefully with rink rats we can offer this and so, you know, Ooh. let's say 100 years ago, the only way that you could watch a hockey game was to physically go to a hockey game. Um, then the radio kind of picked up games. So you could listen to the game if, if you weren't at it. Um, then the TV was invented. And then since the TV, the screens have just gotten smaller, smaller, smaller um, or more accessible. So now you can watch a game anywhere in the world on your smartphone. Um, what we're likely going to see in the future, and I don't know if this is five or 10 or 20 years out there, but um, we expect that you'll be able to buy a virtual ticket to a game. They're going to remodel the entire arena so that when you buy your virtual ticket, you put your virtual reality headset on and you can sit in the seat of the ticket that you bought as if you were actually at the real game. Um, So that's where we think the viewership is going to go um, in the future with Web3. Wow. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's where everything's headed. It just it would explode the amount of revenue they get from ticket sales. I mean, you're not limited to how many seats there are in the arena. You can you're limited to just how many people. I mean, it's not limited. It's how many people want that experience. You can just sell infinite amount of tickets. So, man, that hockey related revenue and salary cap. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the NHL me. needs it. They yeah. do. But that VR thing excites me. I, I use VR. I love to play VR games. So imagine just sitting in your living room, front row, uh, watching a Leaf game, you know, and having that effect, someone up against the glass. Like, this is the future we thought we'd have 20 years ago today. You know what I mean? But it's actually coming true in our later adult life. So this is really exciting. Yeah, it's it kind of sucks being the age that we are because I feel like we just missed. Well, I mean, I guess you were pretty ahead on this back in 2013 but i feel like i uh i missed the boat on this being just a couple years too old and now i feel like i'm playing catch up so i hope this helps everybody else like me and uh getting a chance to jump into this world before it's too late and uh before we let you go here ledge do you have any idea of when we can expect uh to be able to buy one of these 
So we don't have a specific launch date yet, but um, we expect it's somewhere between two to three months from now when we do gotcha. launch. Um, nice. So if anyone wants to follow along and get the latest updates, they can follow us on Twitter or Discord. And we're at Rinkrat NFTs on Twitter. The Discord link is in our bio. Amazing. Uh, and do you have a date of when we could see what one of these might look like? That's actually a lot sooner. We're thinking probably Ooh. within one to two weeks, we're going to get some sneak peeks on the artwork um, just to show you guys kind of what's coming up. Nice. Amazing. Well, we'll be sure to uh, share that on our page. So everybody that hears this will be able to see what they're in for. Yeah, not going to lie. When I heard about rink rats, I honestly, the first thing that come to my hockey brain was a bunch of digital uh, hockey cards of Marchand or something. <laughs> <laughs> and the league rats around, you know, and then you can buy that digital version and it's your own. And But I know it's just your company name. So that's just a thought to share. But thank you for the lesson. Oh, my God, that's wow, this is amazing. I'm like going into the future now and actually being on everyone's level and knowing something. <laughs> it's crazy. I didn't realize that they were selling digital real estate all the way back in 2019. So uh, good on you for being ahead of the curve on a lot of these things. Yeah, well, there's, there's a lot. Even with everything I know, I still feel like there's you know, a whole world of knowledge still to be gained in this space. It's ever growing, ever developing. So um it's a lot of work just to even keep up with the newest thing that's going on. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so we're actually just recording this before the Heritage Classic game. Do you have any score predictions for this Leafs-Buffalo outdoor game? Well, hopefully the outcome is better than the last time they played Buffalo. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I expect that it will be. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say um, outdoor games are a lot of times lower scoring because of sunlight and other factors. Yes. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say... Um, Two to one for Toronto. Hey, love it. Nice. Thank you so much for dropping by, Ledge. Appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more.